This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's the crossover Sports Illustrated's NBA show. Breaking down the latest news, rumors, and everything in between. Here's your host, Rohan Kabi and Chris Aaron. Welcome back to another episode of the Crossover Podcast. I'm Rohan Nakarni, joined today by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, New York Times best-selling author of the book, Blood in the Garden. He only lives in high-rises. Please welcome to the show, Chris Herring. Herring, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> Man, this is straight up whatever you can whatever you say can and will be used against you i literally just told you that like 12 seconds ago in, in the context of tornado watches and stuff like that and being able to see them but i'm uh i'm fine i'm just looking forward to the week being over how are you i feel you man always looking forward to the weekend uh i think that's the general vibe i give off um <laughs> We are, this is easily just like the worst, I wouldn't say the worst, uh, no, I take that back, Wimbledon's going on, we got the WNBA going on, it's a very slow time for like the conventional American sports fan, and yet here we are, doing an NBA podcast in the middle of July, <laughs> Summer League is over, going on, I don't know, I don't pay attention to Summer League, we've discussed that on this podcast before. Um, but there are a few things I would like to discuss with you today, Chris. We did get a little bit of news confirmed this week. This was something that had been rumored to be happening over the last few weeks, and now it is going to be official for the 23-24 season. 
Flopping technicals will be introduced, a technical for an obvious flop, and coaches will have an extra challenge if they get their first challenge right. Chris, where, where do you want to start with this? The challenges or the flopping? Which one's more interesting to you? I, I mean, <laughs> what I really want to talk about is whether people can challenge whether something should have been called a flop. Um, you know, <laughs> Just and, and whether we can get after the fact technicals after <laughs> oh. coaches have... But, um, I mean, we could start with either. I think both are, I mean, just in a general sense, I think both are positive things. I, I think, I don't know of anyone that wasn't in favor of the idea of coaches getting an extra challenge uh, when they're correct. I think the NFL has had that for a while at this point. Um, and it doesn't feel like everybody should get the same number if some are using them and they're wrong constantly and other guys are, are right. So I think mm-hmm. there should be, a reward to it, but we could start with either one. I guess I, I just kind of start talking about one a little bit there. <laughs> you know, I may actually zag on this a little bit. I'm not, okay. I don't know that I want coaches to get the extra challenge. So okay. it's funny because Spo was asked about this during the finals. Somebody said, I think it was actually a pregame press conference, which was kind of funny. And somebody asked Spo what he thought about the rumored potential rule change. And at first he was like, I like it. That's a, that makes sense. And then he goes, I will get annoyed though because players will keep doing that replay signal. Oh, even more now. Like we we see guys who are so egregious with the finger twirl, like first quarter out of bounds call. They're calling for a coach to challenge oh. it. And I, I you know that obviously doesn't annoy me as much as the idea of introducing another stoppage to the game. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though. I mean, I, I hear that side of it. In some ways, though, I would think that it makes coaches more judicious about what they're going to challenge. Because if you know, and particularly mm. about the idea of using it in the first quarter, it, it it has to be like clearly the wrong call to go for it at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not going to get it back, um, you know, it's already abundantly important, the idea of whether you're going to use it or not. But if I, I would probably be even more likely to kind of block out my players if I know that not only can we potentially get this call fixed, but I'm going to get an extra one if I'm right. It, it kind of puts more onus on the coaches to to really know what they're asking for a review on um, and not have it be just a run-of-the-mill play. Uh, you know, it's kind of a double whammy in, in that mm-hmm. way, I would think. Yeah, that that's an interesting argument that I haven't heard before. The idea that if they get the extra one only if they're right, they have to now be very sure if they're going to use it earlier in the game. That makes sense. I, I, I'm very curious to see how this ends up playing out because there are some coaches like Spo who just seem to hate using the challenge and save it for the very end of the game almost always. And... You know, there are others. Who was it that challenged a call in the first quarter of a playoff game this year? Was it Darvin Ham? Gosh. Or I think it was Budenholzer. It was Budenholzer. Uh, did it a couple uh, times in the first that, half. That could sound right, yeah, to be honest there, with you. There are some guys who seem to use it just to get it out of the way. Like, if I use it now, my players can't complain about it later in the game. Yeah. Uh, do you think the flopping tech is the kind of rule that we'll see a lot in the first month of the season and then never see again? Or do you think that it'll actually stand the test of time? Uh, I I think we'll see some, a a little bit 
more beyond just the first month. Uh, first of all, I, I I wouldn't like if you asked me to guess how many will be called or how often it will happen. <laughs> I would have no clue. But I mean, it's like anything where people are still going to test the theory mm-hmm. and they're going to need to get it out of their system. Whether it was Chris Paul and and Harden and all these other guys, you know, that were essentially doing their very best to bait refs into calls to draw calls by, um, you know trying to find contact basically and trying to induce contact in ways where they were the person doing it and, and not anybody else. Um, you know, it, it, it was really jarring to be honest with you to watch. What was it two years ago when that was first put into effect with the offensive fouls and everything. And the idea that stuff just wasn't going to be called at all Mm -hmm. when it was going to be called seven, eight times a game previously. Um, it, it makes guys look silly. And so I think that there will need to be that for probably a month or two, uh, when I think about even even the guys that are good defenders, Marcus Smart, um, you know the Blake Griffins, the, the guys that take a lot of charges. Kyle Lowry was mm-hmm. guilty of plenty of flops, even in the finals. You know, to a lot of people's <laughs> frustration. But these, that's heat but these, culture, Chris. How dare I mean, you, Kevin, Kevin Love? Well, Kevin Love's normally don't look like flops. To be honest with you, I don't he, think he, Kevin he's Love taking, flops. He takes uh, right. Hits. So so that's the thing is like he's taking legitimate hits. But that's the thing is I think it also sets up guys that just line themselves up to take a lot of charges are going to be a lot of the people that might get hit with these because Mm. sometimes even if you don't get the amount of contact you're expecting, you're going to preemptively try to fall and, and start to fall and start to have it look a certain way. So, so we'll see. Um, That'll be really interesting to watch. I, again, I don't know which direction it will go. I would imagine that it'll kind of peter out over the course of the season. Maybe it's more uh, abrupt than that, where it's just, you know, the first three weeks, uh, refs are really aggressive about Mm -hmm. calling it like they generally are, and they're generally coached to do that and told to do that. And it might set an example very quickly. Um, Nobody, you know, we talk about challenges and stuff. Okay, a challenge, depending on what it is, might not cost you points as much as just a, an inconvenient foul or foul trouble on someone that you really want to have available. A technical foul is points. A technical foul is points, potentially the ball as well. Um, I guess that's a flagrant. But anyway, um, <laughs> it, it, it's interesting to think about, and it's it'll be interesting to see how quickly that shifts kind of the, the thought process on all of it too. If this rule was in place two years ago, do you think the Boston media mafia still would have been able to vote Marcus Smart Defensive Player of the Year? <laughs> um, I mean, but also, let's be real in saying that they weren't the sole reason he won the award. I mean, also, I I, I voted for the guy too. A it was a successful. Did, so. It was a successful propaganda campaign. Um, oh, <laughs> in all seriousness, let me ask you this question: yeah. Who are you? Which player are you most interested to see play under the flop tech era? Um, I mean, I think a lot of guys have kind of grown out of it a little bit, but I mean, like Patrick Beverly has been interesting mm. before. Uh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure he was one of the last people to get hit with a warning. If That's I remember funny. correctly, yeah. the league still issues those every once in a blue moon. And I think he's gotten a few of them. Uh, I, I also think he's just my standard answer for a lot of questions as far as <laughs> funny stuff is concerned. Flops. Going to the, the you know the crowd to go get a camera and show the ref that you know that something was a foul, you you name it. So uh, yeah, I'll put Patrick Beverly on this. God, board. the camera thing was unbelievable. Uh, that was surreal. I am very interested to see how this because we know the defensive irritants, we know the Chris Pauls of the world. 
who are, I don't even know if they're floppers necessarily, much as they like to push the envelope and test the referees. I'm very interested to see how they're calling these flop texts for star players. Because anytime LeBron gets one, if he gets one, it's going to be a huge deal. It's going to be, it's going to lead first take when he gets his first flop tech. Um, And I'm very interested to see if the refs are really willing to hand these out to star players. Because I I don't know, I have my doubts that they're going to be willing to to really take a risk there. I, I Maybe the first couple weeks of the season. And then we have to, like, when this, if this happens in a playoff game, Chris, it's going to be pandemonium. Man. <laughs> All of a sudden, as we talk about flop techs and technical foul kings, I mean, obviously, Rasheed Wallace is kind of in a league of his own, but it now has me curious about, like, how many certain people would have had if, if like mm-hmm. whether certain people would have pushed Rashid Wallace's technical foul record. I mean, obviously they wouldn't if, uh, you know, again, we're, we're talking about how the behavior is going to shift once they really hammer down on this in the first few weeks. But it's just funny to think about. It's also really funny because it's like we, in our mind, we know who the, some of the abusers of it have been in the past, but there's no official record keeping of it right so it's like it's right. all just kind of even when you ask me like who are you really looking forward to seeing or who are you most curious about i mean it's just it's it, it's just kind of lore at this point as far as the way we think about it because it's just like oh we all know that marcus smart has done it we all know patrick beverly has done it we all know you know mm-hmm. chris paul so it's like we but we think about these guys as people that are on the floor a lot and star players um one of the most fun kind of weird stories I remember working on is when I was with 538 was about I wasn't interested in the sheer number of charges people took necessarily they started calculating that at one point uh, throughout the league I wanted to know who was the most successful charge taker like who mm-hmm. is the guy that most often takes charges and never gets called for blocks and so I you know I ended up almost like creating a statistic for a season uh, called charge rate and mm-hmm. i think that um anthony tolliver was the guy that like never got called for blocking. <laughs> that's funny and so that speaks to what you're saying about kevin love is like he's not really flopping like he's just really really good at taking position mm-hmm. and and you know lo and behold in interviewing him for the story anthony tolliver was like well yeah when i was in college our coach had us practice it as a team like every one of us and we would win awards for whoever took the most at the end of the season. So I got four years to practice it and then got to the pros and continued to practice it. Um, so there are reasons some guys are better than others, but this is a really good incentive to not try to take one unless you're not even, not even just charges, by the way, we're, we're talking about flopping, not charges, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. idea that obviously that is a place where people are going to try to flop a lot. And um, we've seen any number the, the funniest ones to me are always the ones where someone is in proximity of someone's elbow and then you know they just the, the, the thing where they snap back, yeah. their head back and then when you see and, and the announcers react really strongly to it and then you watch the replay and it's a phantom uh mm-hmm. it's phantom contact so those will be interesting and uh again we're just gonna have to see if like how quickly is the line drawn i'm sure the refs are going to be on edge to call it and uh maybe that kind of nips it in the bud right away but i i think it's a positive rule change and i think uh you know the league, it's weird to give props and shout outs to the league um, because this is probably overdue. We all <laughs> knew that this should have been part of the game before. Um, but similar to last year with regards to the the take fouls, uh, it did seem to make the game better and, and faster and 
less stoppages. And so hopefully this won't be less stoppages right away, but hopefully it just cleans up the game and, and rids it of something that I think most people were pretty annoyed by. Um, first of all, I don't like when you talk about the super cool stuff that you used to do at 538. feels like you're kind of comparing me to an ex and it's like, look at how much, you know, how much more fun I was having. We were so much more adventurous. Uh, number one, number no two, <laughs> number two, I, I'm also interested to see how it's applied. Like, are they going to be calling these texts in real time? Or are they going to be going back? And looking at the monitor and saying, oh, this in the first quarter, this was a flop. And now you're getting a tech for it. Who Who's going to be the first player to be ejected from a game because one of their techs was a flop tech? That's going to be really interesting. <laughs> um, there's oh, just, I didn't think about that part. Yeah, yeah, there's, just, there's a lot that's going to go on in this. And I think it's going to be very fun. Chris, Guys are going to have to rewire yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they really are. So. And it's, it's really interesting to me that like, People that have played a sport for however long they've played it. I mean, Chris Paul, I was writing a story on him that, that's up now, I think. He's 38, man, and like he's been doing what he does for quite a while. It's it's <laughs> it, it requires a rewiring to mm-hmm. not, you know, as we've seen with a lot of the guys as far as trying to draw fouls and draw uh, defensive fouls on guys. I mean, it's, um, it requires a reset a little bit of just mentally. And mm-hmm. uh, I want to say it was hard. And, and I remember Lillard had a really slow start too. a um, few guys just of trying to adjust to the idea that you weren't going to get certain foul calls anymore. The, the, the rip through was another one, you know, it's a, uh, it'll be a hard reset for certain people, but I, but I would imagine within a few weeks or a month, month and a half that, you know, that people are able to kind of stop doing it. But the, the idea of someone getting ejected over a second tech, that's a flop is, hilarious and that chef's Twitter kiss will never, that's gonna be if twitter still exists it, it yes. will be a good time i'm gonna be day, i'm gonna be talking about it on blue sky for sure um, <laughs> i want to discuss something i'm writing about for si that should be up later today hopefully by the time uh, all of you are listening to this podcast but i'm just writing about some new lineups i'm excited to see this season chris you know the dust is not fully settled on free agency as much as some of our friends in the industry, like our frenemy Michael Pina, are trying to will Damian Lillard to other teams besides the Heat. The Raptors? <laughs> we are... It's an uh, interesting... It is an interesting piece, though. Shout out um, to Michael. We, uh, we're still waiting on Dame to land somewhere, but I would say we are getting a good a sense now of what the league is going to look like next year, how these teams are taking shape. So I just wanted to run through some new combinations we're excited to see this year. I don't know if if you want to go first, if you have one uh, right now at your fingertips that you want to talk about, or if you'd like me to drop my first lineup. Okay. Um, And again, this is the ones that we're most intrigued by or most interested in seeing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I I didn't know if it was like saying the the ones we think will be best or anything. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. I mean, this is what I wrote about today. I might as well just roll it out. Um, Just Chris Paul with with Mm. the Warriors because it's like, do we expect him to be a starter? When he was traded there, I immediately just assumed he's going to be a bench guy. Right. Um, Just because they've had essentially one of the most effective starting lineups in the league for a few years. And, you know, it's not the death lineup or anything like that. But it's 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 got a little bit of everything. It obviously anytime Steph and Claire on the court it has shooting, 
it's got defense from the standpoint of Looney being out there. We've seen how well he moves his feet even at the top of the key against guys and, and, and switches. We've seen Draymond, you know, play at defensive player of the year levels. And Andrew Wiggins is kind of the cherry on top for them. We saw how mm-hmm. much they struggled without him. And and quite frankly, I you know, I wouldn't say that was the sole reason that they, they didn't get further in last year's playoffs, but uh I mean they you saw that they can win a championship with him on the court. He's their best defender at this point on the wing. So who are you pulling out of that lineup to insert Chris Paul into it? Um, I could see doing it, but I just don't know. Like I imagine you're going to take out either Looney or Wiggins and Mm -hmm. neither one of those is like something that I'm looking forward to doing. I'm not looking forward to replacing either of them. Uh, Chris Paul, and I did not realize this until I was reading Anthony Slater's story over at The Athletic, Chris Paul has never, not even once in his career, come off the bench. He has had essentially the longest streak to start a career without ever coming off the bench. Crazy. Um, so, and, and not to mention that earlier this week, he was interviewed out in Vegas and was asked the question of like what he thinks of the second unit and what he would think of leading it. And he literally shot back, you coaching, question mark, to <laughs> the person who asked the question. So, you know, and, and granted, he, it was in jest. And then he said, look, we haven't talked about that yet. It's not the sort of thing you would talk about in a, in a getting to know you conversation, like in a first conversation with someone over the phone. Uh, look, I, <laughs> I think ultimately, if you're just asking my opinion, I think it will be best for Chris Paul to come off the bench. Mm-hmm. If not right away, then at some point, because we've already seen this lineup be effective. Chris Paul is not getting any younger. So he's while he's incredibly cerebral, and we all know that, including on the defensive end, I don't see him boosting them as much defensively as either of the two guys that he could potentially replace. Uh, to be honest with you, if he was going to replace anyone, I would maybe say it should be Clay, but I don't think that makes sense for them either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't know that the upside of including him on offense over one of those guys makes enough sense. But egos are a thing. I would imagine that if anybody can set aside their ego, it would be a guy who desperately wants to win his first championship uh, with the team that has already won four of them with a core that has already won four of them and a coach that has won four of them. So I, like, I think he can get over it, but I don't think it's like as simple as just snapping your fingers and it's done. I, I think even his press conference from earlier this week hinted at that. Uh, there's pride there, but I, because of that push pull, because of the fact that the Warriors had the most turnovers in the league and Chris Paul, even at his aging spot in his career is a four, four and a half to one, assist to turnover ratio in his career they could desperately use his ball handling and his his sense of calm with this team he's also still a very good mid-range shooter uh he's a very good change of pace for them as far as all the pick and rolls he runs for a team that doesn't really use many of them I think that could be really useful off their bench I think it could be very useful with their starters quite Mm -hmm. frankly but I you know I, I think it will be a fascinating thing to watch because they've already got a really good starting group uh, how does he fit in with that, or how does he not, and where do you use him? So I'm really intrigued by that. That's one of my biggest questions for any team this year. For sure. I think I do think Chris Paul will eventually come off the bench, even if it doesn't happen right away. I would say the majority of his games this year will be off the bench. 
And that's where it really helps to have someone like Steph Curry, who is willing to come off the bench in a playoff, multiple playoff games. And when you right. have someone like that, I think setting the tone. Um, and I also think Chris Paul is going to get a lot of good minutes to run with that second unit. And it, it could be an interesting group. You got Looney, Sarich, Kaminga, Gary Payton, Moses Moody. They'll have some good pieces to move around him in that second unit. I think he'll get a chance. I think he'll relish those opportunities because he'll have an opportunity to put his stamp on the game with the second unit in a way he won't with the first unit. So I think that'll be really interesting. I think that's definitely a lineup I'm looking forward to. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let me go maybe a little off the board for you here. Okay. This is a lineup I'm interested to see this year. I have no idea if it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the let's go to Dallas. So we have okay. Kyrie and Luca, Grant Williams, Maxi Kleba, and Dante Exum. So everyone's talking about how Dante Exum allegedly found his three point shot in Europe. Like he he was shooting like close uh, to forty percent from three. Who knows? Here's the thing: people will sit here with one face and tell you like, "Oh, this guy was killing in summer league." But then, like you say, you say someone shot forty percent from three in Europe, and they're like, "Oh, well, it was." But but, but here's my thing: I'm not I'm not making that face with summer league. Either. I know, so I know you are. Other I know you might, are, but I'm definitely not going to. Yeah. So I, that's but that's the thing is, I just want to see it. If Exum can shoot, I would like to that, see it. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. This is like the second or the third Modi, straight podcast Modi. I've done that. No, right. it's a it's one of the best. It's one of the best. <laughs> um, listen, if Exum can defend. And even if he's not, if he's just shooting average from three, because he was never a great three point shooter, mm-hmm. if they can get up to 30, if he can get up to 34, 35%, then 
that becomes a really interesting two-way lineup because I think Exum becomes a good defender. Williams is a good defender. Kleba is not a traditional rim protector, but he holds up well in switches and I think is, is pretty good on the defensive end, an underrated guy. You're always going to have to deal with Kyrie and Luka, but I, that that interests me a little bit. I think that's a potentially higher ceiling lineup than some of the other options the Mavs have had in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it's intriguing. Um, Mannix and I talked about that on the last podcast we did, I think, about the idea of he was asking me what I thought of their summer. And I, I said, look, I, I I don't, you know, up until the Grant Williams stuff, I did not love their summer. Uh, I think, you know, we can all admit that Kyrie came back at a higher number and not even just that, really just the length of the contract and the guaranteed nature of it. The player option in year three was not something I would have wanted to do, would have felt comfortable <laughs> with. But, um, I mean, Dante Exum, I think, is exactly the sort of player that if you're Dallas, what are you losing by rolling out that opportunity to him? I- I've loved Dante Exum for as long as I can remember mm-hmm. from the standpoint of the guy just defense. I, I also have a huge soft spot for uh, another guy that I think is still on their roster and Frank Nilkeen. I don't know if he's still there. Um, but Frankie just, I, Smokes. <laughs> I've always had soft spots for guys that really, really defend their butt off and give their mm-hmm. very best effort. You always kind of, you know, for me, hope springs eternal that the shooting will, will, you know, find its way to them, that they'll work on it enough, but also that maybe they're in the right environment where you can afford to have a non-shooter on the court or a shooter that's not great on the court because they do other stuff so well. Um, Dante Exum, first of all, uh, is a great defender, great effort, works hard, but also from what I remember was playing very well when he got hurt uh, mm-hmm. the last time, and it might have been re- accurate the, the last two times. And so it wasn't like he lost the opportunity because he wasn't showing improvement or that he wasn't playing well or playing hard. He just was – his body was giving out repeatedly. So it might happen again here. He might not develop. He might have regressed in some ways because of all this stuff. Um Time will tell, but I think it was like a spot-on sort of opportunity that the Mavs needed to take because they really don't have many other routes to improve the team, and they desperately need more defense. Grant Williams mm-hmm. was obviously a way to address that at what I thought was a very reasonable number. Um, so I think that that could be a really good lineup for them. I think we have to see. Uh, I think that there, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to score, even if it's just Luka and, and Kyrie by itself, mm-hmm. you should be able to score. But, uh, you know, if, if Grant Williams is given the green light and he actually takes it and, and shoots and shoots anywhere near what he did last season, percentage-wise, could be a very, very fruitful lineup for them. So I, I like for that sure. pick. Kleber can shoot, too. Do you have another one, or do you want me to go again? I'll give you one more. Um, okay. Okay. So we're going to go to the Midwest, where I know you are right ooh, now. I'll be tomorrow. Not necessarily Chicago, um, <laughs> but we'll go one state over. We'll go to Indiana. Uh Woo-hoo. I'll give you Tyrese Halliburton. Um, let's see here. Bruce Brown. Bruce Moneybags Brown. <laughs> Buddy Heald. Obi Toppin. Miles Turner. Um, mm. So you've just, you, you've got, I mean, you've got a team now that is, um, you've got, and what was that stat that they showed when the Bruce Brown deal got completed? Well, the OB deal got completed. I think ESPN had it in one of their stories, and it was like Tyrese Halliburton, Bruce Brown, and Obi Toppin 
in some order, I can't remember which, over the last two seasons are have been the most efficient players and like the highest percentile in transition mm. over the last two years. So this is a team that has the ability to play really fast. Um, will they hemorrhage a little bit on defense? Probably a little. Like, I mean, I, I think Bruce Brown and Miles Turner are fine defenders. I, mm-hmm. I think Halliburton and Heald uh, and Toppin are probably not, but... Uh, but this is a team that already plays fast, and now you're adding two guys that absolutely will help you kind of forge a track meet if you want. Um, they're going to be really, really difficult to stop. You've got a lot of ball handling in a group with a group like yeah. that. Um, you've got a lot of guys that are going to race up and down the floor, and you've got a pretty good amount of shooting between Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, Obi Toppin's not a bad shooter. Um, and certainly Bruce Brown is not a bad shooter either. I mean, like the, all five of those guys can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I like the idea of kind of seeing what you can get out of that group, just, you know, running other teams dry basically. So I, I'm excited to see it just because it'll be a lot of fun for a team that is already pretty fun, but also a team that, you know, there are going to be some elements of what the, what the, uh, Kings did last year just as far as how fast this team is going to play how much shooting they have on the floor at times it's going to be a lot of fun that's a very interesting pick i like it a lot healed could also be interchangeable with someone like ben matherin in that configuration Sure. and the transition stats are really good one that's really interesting indy we'll have to have a more serious discussion about them at some point because they're looming is an interesting team, especially if they go out and try to get someone like Pascal Siakam. Who they yeah. To. That would be a lot of fun, man. I, it would. Halliburton was obviously fantastic last season. I love them bringing in Bruce Brown, and I think that's a great deal for both sides. They're very interesting. That's one. That's a. That's really like a new group. Like I have no idea how it's going to look. And I'm Me with too. you. It's it's a it's a small group too, but that's the kind of lineup. Like regular season, especially. You run that out against the right team on the wrong night for them, and you're just, like you said, it's a track meet, and they're running them off the floor. And it's going to be really hard to slow a group like, down, group like that down. That's a really fun pick. Um, let me hit you with a couple more. Okay. Let's stay in the Midwest about a team you wrote about this week. And let me start here. Do you think the Cavs will have the stomach to play Max Struess and George Niang together a lot this regular season. Because because the lineup I would like to see is Garland, Mitchell, Struess, Niang, and Evan Mobley. Ooh, that's a fun one. Well, here's the thing. And I mean, I, not seeking to be controversial here. I mean, I think some Cavs fans would tell you they'd probably like to see it too. Um, if you decided to move off of Jared Allen, that's your lineup. Right, mm-hmm. like yeah. that's what you would be doing, and then you would be trading Allen either for another, I presumably like another really really good wing player, yeah. Um, but you have Struess there that I imagine he probably slots into that fifth starter spot. You still need depth, and that's where the mm-hmm. team has been weak. They were really really bad. They were the worst bench team uh, in the playoffs, and I think they were maybe the worst or second worst in uh, mm. in terms of scoring. They were worst or second worst in the regular season as well. So, I, I mean, it, it's hard to look at, and this is kind of what I said in, in my story about them, is like, this was a really nice offseason for them, but they still need more. Yeah. Niang is capable of starting. We've seen him do it with Philly. Uh, we, we've, we've seen him 
in other situations too in Utah. He he can start. I I think he was actually like it was not uh, he, a thought I had in mind before the off season, but he was about as perfect like body type wise and just role. Uh, basically a, a younger version of like a Kevin Love type within the standpoint of like what Kevin Love does now. Mm-hmm. He he was as, about as good a replacement as you could really get. Um, and I thought got him, again, for like a reasonable number. Um, I think it was what, three for 26 in his case. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a very, very smart deal for them. He could start. Um, now you would only need to start him if you're not going to play one of Allen or Mobley, and obviously you're going to start them both. They've both mm-hmm. been all-stars. But the question that I think a lot of us had is like, are they going to bring Allen back? You would obviously mm-hmm. keep Mobley given his upside. Uh, but just the lineup itself, regardless of whether Allen is kept, uh, you can use the data from that lineup to make a decision about whether you right. feel like it makes sense to keep Allen uh, long-term, move him at the deadline, move him next offseason. It's a fascinating uh, look at something and something that really – even when I wrote that story, I had not really considered, but uh, you can bet your bottom dollar that the Cavs are going to be paying a lot of attention to that lineup data with that group if they get chances to play them, uh, if, if that group is healthy and they're able to play them together a lot. For sure. I, I'm just really interested to see it. I'm with you. I do think – I don't want to be out on the Cavs' too big lineup after one postseason, but they're on a little bit of a clock because of the Mitchell contract. It's not so simple. It's going to be a very expensive team if they try to keep everyone together. Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, all going to be on big maxes. If Jeremy Grant had not signed such a huge contract, I kind of think Mm. like an Allen for Grant, something around that, centered around that, would have been very interesting. Um, I I like the language you're speaking today, man. Like I like, I I feel like we're (laughs) we're vibing over these lineups. There we go. There we go. (laughs) It just that's the kind of player they need, and that would be a very interesting look for them to have. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also. I am also just not sure if Mobley's going to be more of a 4-5 or 3-4, which is a... <laughs> a big question, right? Yeah, a big question for them. And that's going to have to play out this season. So they're they're I, very interesting. I think that, um, like, as much as I like Struess, and obviously, like, I think the deal made sense you wa- you, you watch your mouth, whatever you're about to say about Max Struess. That's, no, Eastern, Conference, just, that's <laughs> Eastern Conference champion Max Struess. Oh, man. man. I, I don't... Like I, I think that it was. I understand what they're doing. I think that mm-hmm. he could be a huge payoff for them. I, I think that the way a lot of us, a lot, a lot of people in general are thinking about him is slightly inflated due to the playoff runs they've had. I agree, and, and his he importance also to them was not a knockdown shooter necessarily during this last playoff run. That's my only point. Is that mm-hmm. he, like, he's been a perfectly fine shooter. He's been a slightly above league average shooter basically mm-hmm. for his career. Now, granted, that's in a lineup where it's it's pretty equal opportunity. Uh, Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler, even for everything he does, is not someone that dominates the ball in that offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's someone that more does it in, in key moments. But uh, for a team where you've got so much attention that is going to be devoted to the two lead guards on that team, you can imagine how many kickout passes there are going to be. Uh, you know, at some point, maybe Mobley is commanding double teams. Um, Allen probably is not that sort of guy. But Max Struess is going to be in position to take a lot of open shots, mm-hmm. potentially. And I think what was always so important about this team, dating back to last season when they got Mitchell, was whoever that fifth guy is is going yes. to need to be able to hit shots. And so, like, there's a part of me that, like, in a perfect world, if he was healthy, and I know the Pistons just picked him up, and I know Michael 
Michael Pina was was not critical, but he was saying like this might not be the payoff that the Pistons were thinking it was. Joe Harris would be a really good fit, like mm. a, a, a prime Joe Harris, like a yes. knockdown shooter Joe Harris, and a lineup like that would have been perfect. Now I understand he's been banged up. I understand he's regressed a little bit, but Max Struess is like he's he's a good pickup for them, but I don't know if it's a great pickup yet. If he develops into a better shooter than he's been then it's a home run signing for them. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not, I don't think that it was a bad sign. I think it was something that was sensible. But I do think that there there was a – like I I think Grant, the way you were talking about him, is like he's kind of – if Karis LeVert, if you could kind of mold him a little bit more, he's exactly what Grant – is like the, what you would hope Karis LeVert could become is what Grant is. Uh, and I think that that prototype would have been interesting to watch them too. Someone that can play make a little bit, create his own shot a little bit, but also can knock down more than enough shots to make it worthwhile to kick the ball to him. And so, right. um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the Niang pickup. I actually feel better about that for them than, than I do about the Struess one. But I understand that Struess fits mm-hmm. a need for them, uh, particularly when he's playing at his right. best. So we'll see how it goes. It's going to be very interesting because – they have more options for that fifth guy now, but they still. I still feel like they need one more. Yep. They still don't have a great wing defender. They have two yep. great interior defenders, and maybe Mobley, you know, becomes that perimeter lockdown guy. And we've seen Struess go after fours in the playoffs during these heat runs, and maybe that's a configuration that works for them. But it's still kind of finding that right two way piece, which is going to be interesting for them. Yeah, and I'm with I hope Okoro. I hope yeah. Coro c- continues to yeah. Like, he he looks like he found Keep shooting, man. a Keep little shoot. bit of a rhythm yeah. in in the playoff series against the Knicks. He looked a little bit more comfortable yeah. after game two. I think it was after he started to mm-hmm. you know came off the bench for part of that. But I uh, they need a little bit more, and mm-hmm. I think you know there's something about the way they lost in that Knicks series where it's like they're not running it back necessarily, but. Getting Max Struess and even getting Niang, who's very, very involved and, and physical, but I think it's just someone that's more willing to like give up his body mm-hmm. and, and more willing to kind of get into the mix. They're, I don't know that they added, even with Struess, like playing for a team like the Heat, I don't think they added like enough toughness, mm. particularly in the post, considering the way they got right. pushed around in that Knicks series. So I'm curious, but you're right. Like I, I think it would have been a little bit too reactionary to just scrap that core or scrap a piece of that core when they had the second best net rating in the league. Uh, yeah. And, and it's basically the second straight year where they've been like right at the top net rating wise. They certainly were for most of last year mm. too. Uh, so I, I don't think you can give up on that, but who knows? And, and Donovan Mitchell is there. Maybe in some ways they are going to become uh, a repeat of what we saw with the jazz where on paper on the regular season and, and the metrics show, that they are consistently one of the best teams, but they just mm-hmm. don't have it come playoff time. They just don't have the adjustments. They just don't have the depth or the roster. So we'll right. see. It'll be an interesting year for them. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let's run through a few more that I have just quickly here, just because I think they're interesting. And these are... This one's really interesting because it's a one-for-one swap, so we can compare it directly to how this lineup performed last season. There's a couple of those. But Memphis, Ja, Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams, and then Marcus Smart taking over the Dylan Brooks spot. That's going to be interesting because that's that's been a good lineup for Memphis the last couple seasons. And it'll be very interesting to see how Smart works out there. The Celtics, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Chris Tapps, Porzingis. I have to imagine that'll be their opening night starting lineup. Um, and then I'll give you one more. The Lakers can roll out Austin Reeves, Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, LeBron James, and AD. I'd expect to see that group play a healthy amount, especially in the postseason. Any, which one of those kind of perks your ears up the most? I mean, I think it maybe it doesn't have to be, but I think the one I would pick and also is most interesting because of just the suspension part is John, mm-hmm. like the, the mm-hmm. Memphis lineup where we're not going to see it for a while. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's without even taking into account that jaw often is injured and other guys mm-hmm. in that lineup are injured. Um, but it, it also gives them like a more stabilizing force than, you know, how would I put this? I don't, it's not a hot take or anything, but, but Dylan Brooks was flimsy from the standpoint of he was too, He's all a wild over the card. place. I mean, he's inconsistent. Yes. Yeah. Period. So that's even better way of yeah. putting it than saying flimsy. He was a wild card. Yeah. The and, highs are high, but the lows are low. <laughs> right. And he yeah. and he tapped into a lot of that. I think some some of it was intentional, just as far as the decision making or the sorts of uh, moments where you're kind of like you want guys to play with an edge, but you can't reel it in with him sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he played into the villain role, but it's like okay, but when it's hurting you on the court or when you're like when you're kind of baiting the opponent uh, by by saying, you know, by essentially calling out LeBron and doing other things over the course of a series, there's a time and a place, and I, I trust Marcus Smart's ability to know the time and the place more, to, to mm-hmm. be better about it. Right. Um, there's a certain aspect of leadership that he brings that Dylan Brooks 
maybe he was a leader, but you know, very clearly from the way that stuff was handled with Memphis, the report that they weren't bringing him back and that they told him that at exit interviews and that it leaked. There were all sorts of suggestions that they did not view him as a leader. If if he was, no knock on him, but it certainly wasn't enough to kind of to hold Ja um, accountable, you know, or not even accountable, but just to kind of make sure that he was doing what he needed to do off the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and who knows? Again, I'm not sure that leadership means that because you're leading the team that that stuff can't happen. Stephen Adams was said to have have made mention of some of the stuff directly maybe not to Josh specifically, but to the team about behavior and off-court behavior and, and, and focus. Uh, so it's no knock if Marcus Smart can't reel that in, but I I think there's a better chance of some of it being more in line, both between his presence and the fact that Jaw has now been dinged for this twice. Uh, but we're going to have to see. It, it, it's a team that just having Brandon Clark back and having Steven Adams back alone would have been interesting enough, but adding Marcus Smart into that mix, someone who at his best has been a better shooter than Dylan Brooks, but has also struggled with his shooting relative to recent years, the last couple of years. I think he's also, generally speaking, a more consistent defender than Dylan Brooks is. Dylan Brooks was never defensive player of the year or anything like that, or in that conversation, really. He was, you know, an all defensive team pick, but not not really as consistently at the level that Marcus Smart was. So I'm very interested to see it. I'm very interested to see there being like another closer to full-time ball handler. Um, Marcus Smart is such a good pickup for them just because Jaw's going to miss all that time. Anyway, they obviously lost Tyus Jones. He's going to be one of the most important players in the league this season uh, for all sorts of reasons. And I think depending on how effective he is there, this could be one of the veteran pieces that they're missing to kind of make the jump. I still feel like they might need one more shooter, um, you know, and, and maybe even one more guy to replace uh, Tyus Jones just for when Marcus mm-hmm. Smart is not on the floor while they're missing Ja. But uh, it, 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 he's going to be a fascinating fit. And you're like you said, it's one-to-one. So it's very interesting to see. It's going to be very interesting. I, yeah, Memphis, man, that's just going to be a strange season to say play, see play out, especially with Ja missing so much time up front. You mentioned Brandon Clark. I'm curious when Brandon Clark is going to be healthy to play because he had that Achilles start pretty late in the season. But someone who was obviously very forgotten come playoff time that I think is going to make a big difference for them. Hopefully he's healthy and ready to go when he comes back and not having kind of a prolonged effect from that Achilles injury. I just want to talk about the Lakers real quick. I just think Gabe Vincent is like the perfect point guard to put next to LeBron because he can handle the ball, but he doesn't need to handle the ball. Like he's effective as a pick and roll operator, but he can catch and shoot and space the floor. Although his three point percentage last year, and I mean the the Heat shooters thing, it's just hard to know what's real and what's not because he yeah. shot so well in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he was kind of right at league average. I think probably below league average. I think around thirty three percent. So those guys were I, all two to three points lower yeah. than what I thought. They, like when you actually look at their basketball reference pages, right. like they're they're much closer to league average shooters. But also, again, the 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 influence of the playoffs, particularly when you have a long run like that, yeah. everybody's value. It, it, it's it's not to knock them at all, but it's it's right. a little inflated. Like it, it right. also means also, more to a team like it, the Lakers that yeah. might want playoff performance yeah. to be better than regular season performance given right. where they are. The thing is he also has, you know, previous seasons where he shot better. So I guess we'll, we'll get, we'll get more information and find that reality. But Torian yeah. Prince is someone I'm interested to see play for 
a really good team because he just fits that 3 and D mold, and yet he's bounced around the league so much. This seems like his best opportunity playing off LeBron and AD, and I'm interested to see the battle that could emerge between him and Hachimura in terms of who takes the fifth spot in closing lineups because I do think Vincent and Reeves will be in there just because of what they offer on both ends of the floor. And I think Prince versus Rui is going to be an interesting kind of subplot to the Lakers season because obviously Achimura got the money. He played really well in the postseason last year. But you want to talk about small sample size. I mean, we've just never seen that from Hachimura at a consistent level in his career. So that's when I yeah. get my eye on. Yeah. I mean, and to what we were saying about ups and downs and shooting, Torian Prince uh, was, was a guy that when they picked him up, uh, it's easy to forget about him just because he's been he's moved around, but also the teams he's been on in some cases have moved so many guys around that he hasn't really had a consistent perch to to hang from. Um, he's been really consistent as a shooter his whole career, like right around 37, 38, um, occasionally a little bit higher, maybe one year a little bit lower. But um, that's the sort of guy that you really look forward to plugging into a group where – Again, you know, LeBron is going to see two defenders at times when he's going to the basket. AD is going to command two defenders just because he's AD, particularly playing at the level he did last year. Um, So every time we've kind of looked at the Lakers and said, what's wrong with them? It's always been a function of whether they had spacing or not, whether it was the Russell Westbrook era, whether it was before they won, um, you know, their championship and the idea of like, well, why don't you just add spacing to it? And then they go out and they have a whole offseason where they dedicate the whole team to, you know, KCP and everybody else. Mm-hmm. What do you know? They win a championship. And so um, that's always been the formula for this team. Austin right. Reeves developing the way he has. Like you said, he's probably a mainstay at this point, and he should be because of what he can do, drawing fouls, getting to the basket, cutting, shooting. Um, they're going to be really interesting to watch. Like, I don't think that they're the favorite. They shouldn't be. Um, but they also can't be far from that conversation. Certainly, we're talking about who comes out of the West. Um, I want to wrap up today's show with just a quick question here, and it's simple, yet not so simple. We just, you know, we spent all this time now talking about new lineups, teams we're excited to see. Who's your number one championship contender right now? It's cheap, but I mean, I'd, just looking at what Denver did, I'm I'm certainly curious how Denver looks without Bruce Brown. That's uh, you know, the, and like Jeff people, Green had big moments for them. You're you're right. You're totally right. So yeah. I mean, it's 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 really easy to say Christian Brown just kind of slots in. I mean, he's he was a rookie, man. Like it's yeah. not. He was fantastic. He had brighter moments than we can ever realistically expect from rookies. But you know, is it a sign of things to come? It might be, but it might not be consistent. It might not be in an everyday role where he's playing 25 minutes. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I will still pick them as my top contender, but certainly I've got questions. Certainly we, we've now seen what the Nuggets can do when they are fully healthy, but they also haven't been fully healthy aside from last year, you know, in a while. So, uh, you know, Jokic has been extremely healthy for years now, and I hope it stays that way, but it's not a given. So I'll pick them, but, but do it, you know, just because more out of a show of respect because mm-hmm. I do want to see how this club looks next season just without a couple key guys off their bench, but also what happens if they're not healthy. Uh, so that would be my top pick. What about yours? I think I have to go with the Nuggets as well, just out of deference for Joker. It's mm-hmm. interesting because 
I think the Celtics got a tiny bit worse, but will still be really good. The Heat, yes. it kind of now entirely depends on Damian Lillard. The Lakers, I think, got a little bit better, and that was your final four from last year. Is the right. is the Paul trade enough for the Warriors? The Paul for pool swap? I, it's just hard to pick right now, and I think Jokic mm-hmm. is so good, and the Jokic Murray two man game is so good that I'm going to lean on that. But when your big offseason move is to like re-sign Reggie Jackson in your taxpayer mid level, and everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> it's a little concerning. I mean, if you squint and you're like, "Okay, Christian Brown takes Bruce Brown's minutes, Peyton Watson takes Christian Brown's minutes, and maybe Zeke Naji takes the Jeff Green minutes," you're counting on a lot of guys now to make a big leap from a position they weren't in last mm-hmm. year. I'm not saying they can't do it, and Malone is going to have to. Be committed to playing them through some tough times in the regular season, but that was that was a sneaky. They had more depth than in the past. But that was a sneaky thin team on the way to the finals. You know they relied a lot on Gordon at center and those backup minutes. You needed a vet like Jeff Green who was steady, who hit some big shots. He had a huge shot in Game Five of the Finals, a corner three that you know helped them win that series. Obviously, so I think I lean Nuggets as well, but. It, it feels wide open again as of right now. It does, which is cool. I mean, you, you brought up the massive caveat, which is that we don't know where Damian Lillard is going to land. Um, any team you would imagine that gets him, you know, save for maybe the Raptors in, in Michael's um, case or something <laughs> like that, any team that would trade for him is likely going to be a contender already. And if you add him to that, depending on what that team gives up, of course they're going to be in the conversation more firmly. Um I think the second team I would pick feels a lot like the Nuggets just from the standpoint of, man, when they just have everybody healthy, they've always been in this conversation, and that's the Bucks. Um mm-hmm. No, they haven't done anything wildly flashy. I think they added Malik Beasley um, this offseason. But, you know, just generally speaking, this is a team that, um, you know, they won the title in 2021. They were this close to making it to the finals in 2019 when the Raptors came back from a 2-0 deficit to beat them and Kawhi went nuts. Uh, They could have won it the season before last, but Middleton missed the whole, um, you know, missed missed the whole second round. Um, And they still went to seven against the team that eventually went to the finals and and looked like they were going to win it, the Celtics. So uh, last season, obviously... Don't say it. I'm saying obviously it's cause for concern that they, uh, <laughs> you know, that they that they got dropped four four games to one. Look, I know Giannis was out. That's the reality of it. Is that any team that loses their best player for two and a half three games in a series, even a one versus an eight, even with a team as solid as Milwaukee, I'm going to expect them to struggle. Now, did I? Would you? If you told me that, would I pick them to lose four one? No, but I also don't know what that does for the psyche of the the team. We don't know exactly how physically right Giannis was once he came back, although he still looked enough of himself to, again, maybe have it be more competitive than 4-1. to one. But essentially what I'm saying, similar to what I was saying before about the Nuggets, is that this was the first time we got to see them fully healthy. I also don't know whether to expect that anymore. Um, okay, well, the, the Bucks have been unhealthy in the playoffs now for two years in a row. Um and I, I just think if they're healthy, which is a massive if, mm-hmm. uh, it's fair to expect that they could at least be one of the three best contenders. 
I don't know if they're the second best contender after the Nuggets, but like it's fair to think that they could be back there. It's fair to think that Giannis at full strength, who I think he just had, didn't he just have a surgical procedure, right? Uh, or a clean out or whatever. It's fair to think that if he's at the level he's been at, which is MVP level for the last five years or so, uh, that they should be in that conversation. I don't think that's you know it's not a hot take. No, I so. no the Bucks are absolutely in there. You're, you're couching it too much. They're absolutely in there. I just am nervous about their depth. They brought back Jay sure. Crowder. Sure. Beasley, I'm looking at the depth chart right now. They're starting five. As long as they have Holiday, Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke, that's such a great place to start. But, gosh, it feels like the you know they lost Ingles, who never really kind of came together for them, which was a bummer. I was excited about that signing. Me too. The Crowder never really got full-time into the rotation in the playoffs which is strange it's going to be an interesting team but they're going to be there i mean listen they have they have a first-time coach too which is really really interesting i mean i was just right before the podcast just randomly decided to like i had a brain fart for a minute i was like did who hired mike budenholzer you know (laughs) and i realized like he you know he's essentially sitting he's probably going to just sit this year out um which that's fine like i think that sometimes it could be good to have a reset you don't Mm -hmm. have to Take a job just to take one. Doc is also another guy that didn't get hired this cycle after losing the gig with the Sixers. But, you know, it, it's so interesting to just think about. I mean, we've seen it even recently with Nick Nurse taking over the Raptors job and then them winning the title in that first year. But uh, it's it's hard to do. Um, but also, that's a really talented top-end group. Um, absolutely, there are questions about the depth. To me, the biggest thing that I think is just kind of weird about it, and I thought this last year, even when they got Ingles, was just that, okay, you generally want to see a little bit more movement with the roster. You would think, particularly after you take that sort of loss, it's very easy to, two years ago, or a year ago, I'm sorry, blame Middleton's absence and say, oh, well, if he was healthy, we would have won, especially when you lose in a seven-game series against a team as good as the Celtics. It's a little bit more curious to me when when you aren't changing a little bit more about your roster when you lose in five in the first round as a one seed obviously Giannis missed a chunk of the series but it's still like okay you didn't think that there was a little bit more that needed to happen a little bit more tinkering with the roster uh, a little bit more that you could bolster so I was a little thrown off by that but not enough to where you wouldn't say that they're contenders anymore Uh, certainly it would be more surprising than then unsurprising if they didn't, you know, make it back as a one seed, a two seed, something like that. It will be undoubtedly a fun season when it starts. Unfortunately, still quite some time away. Chris, that is going to do it for today's episode. Before we go, I just want to shout out uh, the Daily Northwestern. My guys at the Daily Northwestern yeah, doing man. some incredible reporting last week. Uh, shout out to them. Just that's uh, important work. I don't even want to qualify it by calling it student journalism, uh, but they're no. reporting. They're reporting leading to the realistically. They're reporting re- leading to the firing of Pat Fitzgerald. I know this is not a, a college football podcast, but I had to shout out. No, man, it's a good man. shout out. I um, you know, I haven't in a while just because of my book stuff and and obviously the work here. Mm-hmm. But um, when I get free time, teach grad school journalism there at Northwestern and. Um, very proud of the students. Um, not as proud. It kind of made me happy that I don't root openly or, or even uh, silently for the football team. Because uh, <laughs> it's just like, damn, y'all are 
doing all that stuff off the field. Hey, y'all are one at eleven. Come on, G. Okay, you gotta pick one okay, or the other. Okay. Uh, okay. Bad, bad stuff. Uh but but no, I mean it's it's just you know, at a time where um the industry is just rough. I mean, you don't need mm-hmm. us to tell you that if you've even lightly followed the the shifts in the movement. Even today, the stuff that Bob Iger sang over at mm-hmm. Disney, um, it's it's a slight, slight, slight bright spot to at least know that there are kids grinding and and doing the work of professionals, professional level work that uh, to kind of uh, find that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's very, very cool to see that. And props to those students. Yeah, and no, and Jim Harbaugh seems like a totally uh, normal guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, tout the pom poms either because Michigan's had some ugly stuff. It's it's just the reality of sports is that yeah. you're you're not rooting for pure things at yeah. any point. We can all stop pretending that we are. You know? <laughs> um, that will do it for today's episode, though. Chris, thank you so much uh, to all our listeners. We'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.